Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Previously on Transmissions from Colony One. Okay. Uh, fractured seven and eight ribs on left side. Fracture on ribs six on the right. Left knee shows two cracks in the patella and slight rupture of the articular cartilage. And the right horizontal lateral fracture across... Uh, crippled, Chloe. Broken up pretty thorough, but you aren't paralyzed. I am going to get you walking again, Paul. I think his improvement is stunning. Considering what he's had to endure, the advancement he's shown to this point is beyond encouraging. Landing MMLHVs have no comparison to anything you've ever flown or landed. We train and simulate. Round the clock. For everything we're doing, it's all for nothing if we can't land these things. We may need a manned pilot. What? Consider yourself volunteered. You can't force me to do this, Sam. No! You need a human pilot to lead this Comet intercept mission, right? You're looking at him. You're not going on this mission. This is Paul. Paul, the intercept mission. You want a pilot? It's all yours. You're a go. Three, two, one. Ignition. Firing FAL now. Sorry, Jim. Ten seconds. Engine shutdown complete. Initiating secondary separation. Initiating positioning thrusters for orbital insertion. Orbital insertion complete. Seventh, Gear 238, Colony 1, Amazonas Planitia, Mars. Paul, look, I know you want to get to the CC as soon as possible for the launch, but if you really put forth the effort, we'll get you... Paul?
I should be back before lunch tomorrow. Keep me abreast of any updates from the transit. Thank you, Kaya. Rover 12 out. Centipede are live. Colossal work, everyone. Though I expect nothing less from you guys. Rachel? <sighs> We're off to Mars and should be arriving in a few weeks. As you all know, though, a whole new world of challenges begins. As I look around, I only see two people who have landed on Mars. When we reach Martian orbit, we need to be ready to land without the slightest hint of an error. Fedor and I, we've had years of training and simulating and researching every single subtlety of these ships. It will be our job to feed you years worth of knowledge and experience into a matter of weeks. In order to do that, we've split you off into three crews. Each crew will begin studying the schematics, layouts, everything that makes this ship live, breathe, and operate. And while you learn how an MMLHV works, we'll begin putting you through landing simulations daily. Over and over and over. We're going to figure out any and every possible way to kill you in these simulations. But you will succeed. 
because you have no choice. And once you all stick the landing with pinpoint accuracy, the simulations will continue. Conditioning is key. When we enter Mars' orbit, I expect every single one of you to be as familiar with landing sequences and operations as you are with blinking your eyes. Understood? Good. We will not fail you. Sim start in two days, and class is now in session. Fedor, take it away. Loading bay. Colony one. The next day. Rover 12, fully on platform. Gonna secure the ride, then enter the airlock for pressurization. Superior, a fabricated creature birthed from the mind of a disturbed genius stalks the very people who created it. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling author Scott Sigler is a classic tale of science gone horribly wrong. Available wherever you get your podcasts.
comet headed for Mars is a kinetic intercept. As I had told you all, that mission would involve the Maya rocket from MECT-4 launching from Martian orbit for Jupiter, performing a gravity assist to increase velocity and a post-orbital main engine burn that will achieve the target velocity needed to successfully knock the comet off course. <sighs> Though, a problem we kept running into was the radiation of Jupiter likely disrupting the signal with the payload as we worked to pilot it. With necessary antennas situated outside the ship in order for us to remotely pilot the craft, they'd become fatally exposed to the radiation. I thought perhaps we could perform the secondary burn before Jovian orbital insertion, but that would be too much momentum and we'd bypass Jupiter's orbit. Then I wondered whether we even need to bother with Jupiter at all and perform three fusion engine burns, though the amount of course correction needed at that kind of velocity in order for repositioning would be a complete disaster. We had tried contingency after contingency to avoid the grim truth. We need a human pilot. Paul Kirsch has volunteered to become pilot of this mission, and I've accepted. Paul will take Tim and ERV-4 and will launch up to meet us once Rachel and the others arrive in orbit. They'll aid and assist with the supply drops and landing prep. Then they'll launch for Jupiter. I bet you're allowed this. I think I'm going to pass out. God damn it. I do not grant this permission lightly. Yet, it's an order I cannot and will not give. He explained his case, volunteered, and I approved. Must have been a tough call. Yeah, it was. We have objectives to meet within specific time frames. The magnetic guidance network is still incomplete and largely untested. We need to study over Fedora's procedures for converting and prepping the space elevator orbit station into a cockpit. We also need to begin allocation of necessary food, water, oxygen tools, and everything else for the ERV launches that are creeping up fast. We also need to study flight plans and possibly perform some launching simulations. It's been a while since any of us have been inside a cockpit. So you've come to the conclusion that there are no other alternatives to sending Paul to his death? Why not three fusion engine burns or four? So what if we have to perform course corrections? Because if there's an error, we fail. Very few double burns have been executed with the Maya rocket and never more than that. The risk is too great, Walter. You and I both know the support structure won't withstand three- Everything we do is a risk, Sam. Oh, but you'd rather take the easy route. Where the hell is the logic in that? The logic in that, Walter, is that we've all lived through too much goddamn risk day in, day out since we landed on this lousy rock, and for once, we actually have an easy option. When the margin for error is extinction, an easier option wins every time. I'm going. It was my idea. It was my call. Sam doesn't want me to go, but he realizes that I need to go. 
choice, that's that. As you were. MLHV Scorpion. Two days, two hours, 57 minutes into Earth Mars transit. Landing simulation one. Alright. Arm locks on release valves, all re entry systems, and all MMLHV thrusters. Safety's arm. Copy, Ava. Activate landing simulation number one. Copy, standby. Simulation mode activated. Ava, fire AEI insertion thrusters now. Copy, Commander. Three, two, one. Thrusters are burning. Stand by for order to cut. Copy, Ava. Execute 180 pitch adjustment to get us into the proper atmospheric injection angle. Morning. Shun, double check my work here. Fire and ion thrusters. Monitoring pitch adjustment. Ava, cut thrusters. Thrusters cut. <sighs> Timing is off. They forgot no constraints check. I've noticed. Stand by for nap report. Standing by. Commander, we're coming into. What the? What Master alarm, Commander. Damn it. Alright, shut down the simulation. Rita, report. Stand by. Reached AEI before we achieved proper insertion position. We came in too fast. <sighs> the purpose of this first simulation was to show how a minor detail, before the landing sequence can even get going, can make the difference. You entered atmospheric entry interface before you were in proper positioning. You know why? You placed us in too close of an orbit. Exactly. There wasn't a no constraints for AEI check. As we explained yesterday, this no constraints check is crucial. It is the absolute final go, no go for landing. If that check was run, you would have noticed the position was off. Let's say you're trying to undertake a landing sequence, but your orbit around Mars is a bit too deep. That means the very first thing you need to do is a course correction. If your positioning isn't correct, the landing isn't correct. And if the landing isn't correct, we die. Fedor, load up landing sim 2. Everyone else, reset. Landing crew, reset and prepare for the next run. ERV-2 on our way to the MGN test. Good. And ERV-3? Luke and Kaya head out tomorrow to finish up. It's pretty much as far along as ERV-2. One last trip up there should do it. And ERV-4? ERV-4 will need a little more work, but it'll be ready in time. Once Rachel and the others achieve orbital insertion, Paul and Tim will suit up 
escorted out to EOV-4. Paul will launch to orbit and dock with the Scorpion. Copy. So, to rehash, in 19 days, ERV-2 and ERV-3 launch concurrently. Walter and Nada pilot ERV-2, Sam will pilot ERV-3 away from ERV-2's trajectory to negate collision risk, and will complete an orbit around Mars, while ERV-2 shoots straight for the tarantula. Once docked, Nada and Walter will begin power-up operations just as Sam arrives after his orbit. After everyone's on board and the tarantula's at full power, dismemberment operations on both ERV-2 and ERV-3. Each thruster, seat, panel, parachute shall be stripped. Sounds like a plan. Good or bad, it's a plan. Oh, it's bad. Clearly it's bad. <sighs> I think we should consider possible alternatives to the intercept mission. If you can find a way to come up with an easier procedure that improves our chances at success, give it to us. Present a superior alternative, Walter. All right. 19 days to launch. Walter and Nada, let's suit up with Pete and head out for the MGN. We can't allow this to happen. We can't allow this to happen, right? Nada? Abby? All of us were figuring and refiguring over and over and over and trying to come up with some kind of substitute. I don't know. Such bullshit. Can't be so accepting of all this. We don't accept it, Walter. But we cannot stop it. We need to prep for departure. He can't do this. We need to stop him. We need to... Walter. Come on. I'll see you off. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.